last week talking to you on this subject of what's next. I think in all of our lives we understand that day in and day out it's always about what's next. What is there that's going to happen next in our life? And so what we're talking about in this series is how that we follow Jesus fearlessly. How many of you believe when you read the scriptures in the book of Acts that the disciples followed Jesus fearlessly? right? I mean, they gave their all. They went after it. There was nothing held back. In fact, uh, they even forsook family. They forsook houses. Uh, they, they were willing uh, to actually, the Scripture lets us know and, and history lets us know, that they were actually willing to give their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Our foundation Scripture is the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, uh, verse 24 and 25, and it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And so last week we began talking to you about this whole process of losing our lives so that we can find it. We talked about salvation last week, how that you and I are called to leave a life of sin and move into this place of salvation. Now today we're going to continue. Today I'm going to talk out of the book of Ephesians. So if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, we're going to be in that fifth chapter today. And as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm glad you're with us today. We're excited about what God is doing at every location. And I pray today that you've already been touched by the Spirit of God, but now that you're going to receive the Word of God, get ready for what God wants to do in your life. Now today, we're going to talk on this subject. Here's the subject today. Last week it was salvation. This week it's on imitation. Now, when we hear that word imitation, usually it's a negative connotation. We usually, you know, somebody walks in, uh, ladies, with a purse, and, and you first of all, the thing you want to know, is it real or fake? <laughs> what, what you're saying is, is it a real one or an imitation? And did you, you know, did you pay the, you know, $7,829 for it, or did you buy it on the street for $73? Right? I mean, that, that's, that's the whole deal about imitation. But really, imitation is not a bad word. The, the, the definition of imitation is to strive to produce something like or to be like. All right? And the Scripture tells us in the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. 
Now, last week we talked about coming into relationship with Jesus Christ and how that once we get saved that we walk with the Lord and we talked about several things last week. But today we're going to talk about this aspect of being imitators of God. How do I learn to live and what are the things that God wants me to do to be like Him? How many of you know that you've still got a little ways to go to be like Him? Not a lot, but... Right, there, there's still a, a little. There, there's still some things that that you need to continue. How many of you know that in your family that your children imitate what they are around? Found that to be true. That, don't you love telling your kids to do something and they do the direct opposite of what you've told them to do? And after you get over losing your mind about it, you think back, and the reason is they've seen you do the exact same thing. Uh, I, I may have told this, but I remember years ago uh, when, when Zach, I think it was, was real young, uh, I was driving somewhere one day, and uh, somebody pulled out in front of me. I always have, I always have driving stories, don't I? I have a th- God's going to give me grace in this driving thing one of these days. But anyway, and I didn't say anything, but I heard him in the back seat. He was in a car seat. I heard him go, idiot. <laughs> and I went, uh-oh, where did he learn that from? <laughs> Must be riding with his mom a whole lot, I guess. Uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it really is. Our, our children are imitators. Uh, uh, we, we grow up imitating. In fact, you, you can sometimes see somebody walking down a hallway, and you know whose kid they are by the way they walk or the way uh, they talk and, and all of those kind of things. And so we, we find that imitation really is uh, a, a part of life. We all do it whether we understand it or not. And yet in Scripture, it, it's a great thing because God's called us to be imitators of Him. And then the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, begins to kind of go through. I want to discuss four things with you today that we are to imitate like Jesus Christ, ways that we are to be like him uh, as we kind of unpack this whole setting of Scripture today uh, to show us that, you know what, if I'm going to follow Jesus fearlessly, then I've got to be more like him. I don't have to give up because I haven't got it all down yet, but I've got to begin to pursue and to move forward in every area of, our, of my life as I go forward. Now, look in verse 2, if you would. Uh, verse 1, we just read, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. And verse 2 says, And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The first thing that we've got to do if we're going to be imitators of God is that we've got to love. Now, I I know the first thought is for some of you is what's love got to do with it? Uh, But I want to tell you, love's got everything to do with it. I I have found out sometimes in in pastoring even that you get so caught up in the mechanisms of trying uh, to keep everything together and do all the things you're supposed to that sometimes you forget about the greatest thing and the greatest thing is love. See, as I grow older, one of the things that I ask God for consistently is, Lord, let me love like you love. Let me have a heart like your heart is. I mean, we we understand Scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. You know what? If you want to see love revealed, look at Jesus. You say, well, I don't know how to love. 
read about Jesus? You say, well, I grew up in a family that, that they didn't express their love. Some of us grew up in families where it was, uh, you know, if you got a nod, that was good. Right? I mean, no, nobody ever told you you did good. Nobody ever told you they loved you. No, nobody ever really hugged you. It was just kind of one of those families where every, everything was hands off and, and, and you were real stoic and whatever. And, and so because of that, when you come into the kingdom of God, you really don't understand that God loves you. And so you're always constantly. One of the things that I struggle with, I'll, I'll tell you this morning, one of the things I struggle with is, is trying to always perf be perfect, to always be pleasing, to always, uh, it, there, there's something out of my background, the way I was raised, that, that there, were, there were those moments that I never felt like I measured up. And so therefore, there's always this thing in me to try to prove, to try to, am I being too honest this morning? Some of you are giving me that look. Um, and, and I know that. And so, and so I have to work hard at that, trying to come to that place of saying, God, I know that you love me. I, I know that I need to do right. I know that I need to live right. I know that I need to achieve everything that I can. But God, you love me when I'm doing the best of the best. And you love me when I've done the worst of the worst. You, your love is there. And so when I begin to look at that, I find that, that God's love is unconditional. Now I want to tell you, my love's not there yet. I'm trying. I'm, I'm working on it, uh, but I haven't, I haven't reached that place yet of unconditional love. Now maybe some of you have got it down. Maybe some of you just love everybody and doesn't matter how they do and what they've done to you or whatever, but, but there are moments in my life, and again, I'm being real personal today because I'd rather talk about B than talk about you, and so would you, uh, but, but I, you know, I find out that there are those moments uh, that if, if things don't go right or people don't act the way that they, they should or whatever, that it's kind of hard for me to exhibit love. And yet the scripture talks about having the love of God shed abroad in my heart so that I don't sin against him. And what I found is, is that love really is the key to everything in Christianity. That you and I have got to come to that place where, where we exhibit love, where we show love. I think one of the things uh, that has created so much turmoil in our society is because at, at times, we have had truth, but we have not had love. be a good name for a church, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it. How, how many times have you seen somebody, uh, you know, with the veins popping out in their neck and this, this face, and they're screaming at somebody, and what they are saying is truth? But you look at that and go, man, I hope they don't think all Christians are like that right now look I, I believe we can make a stand I believe we can say what sin is I believe we can stand on the Word of God and the truth and the Word of God but I believe that we can do that with love and I think if the world is needing anything it's needing the truth because our world is messed up but it needs to be presented with love we need to be able to show people that look this is what God's Word says but God still loves you God is still concerned about you. You know what? God is not just concerned about those of us who gather week in and week out in buildings called churches. God is concerned about every human being, all 7 billion people upon this earth. God loves them. And, and so what, what we find is, is that to live out this love um, is, is kind of an interesting thing. Well, what I found about love is, is that faithful love continues to give to others.
I mean, when, when I really am living in love, I, I'm going to give. And it's not, let me ask this question. Have any of you got some people in your life who they give you stuff, but they kind of hold it over you? Come on, you know, they, they're all, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Do you ever get Christmas presents from certain individuals in your family and the price tag just happens year after year after year? I mean, you know, once I can say, but every year the price tag still happens to be, oh, I, I forgot that. Right? Or they, they do something good for you and then they're always reminding you about how good they've been to you in the past. You know what? That's not real love. That's manipulation covered up and saying it's love faithful love gives without expecting anything in return now you know what that would help us in our families that would help us in our marriages that would help us in our business practices I was recently reading a business book and and, and they were talking about love and I thought I, I really I thought, what's love got to do with that? Uh, but, but I was, and, and they were talking about how in the business world even that you've got to have an aspect, you've got to care about people. You've got to care about what's happening in their lives. And, and, and so the, the Word of God lets us know that, that if you understand loving, loving is always bound up in giving. God so loved that He gave. And so you and I have got to live lives of giving. Of, of reaching out to others, of caring about somebody who doesn't care about you, of, of giving at times. Um, most of us have encountered people uh, with signs, and they say, we'll work for food, and you know they won't. <laughs> right? But, but sometimes you still got to roll the window down and hand a few bucks out just because the Bible says when you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And, and, and that's, that's what love is. And, and you know what else about love? Faithful love forgives. Oh, hallelujah. Love, the, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians is what we call the love chapter. And, and one translation says, uh, love doesn't keep account of evil. Now think about that. Real love, wow, and I've got three more that <laughs> we've got to imitate. Our, we might as well do the benediction now, right? I, I mean, this, this whole thing about love, but it really does. It, it's a life of forgiving. It's, it's not holding things over. In, in your marriage, you better learn to forgive. You, you better learn because I'm gonna, number one is you better learn to forgive because they're going to mess up. That ought to set you free, all right? Uh, but but you, if, if you don't learn to forgive, if you're always holding things, if, if you're the, well, I, I buried the hatchet, but I left the handle sticking out. <laughs> yeah, and every time there's a conversation, you go and jerk it back out and wail on their head with it, all right? Come on, we, we, we've got to learn uh, that, that if I really forgive that's what love is about, and to really forgive doesn't mean that I bring it up every time something doesn't go the way that I want it to. That's love. And you know what? If we would learn to live that way, I'm, here, let me say this and I'll move on because I can tell we're enjoying this so much. I, I am so glad God is love. The Bible doesn't say God has love. The Bible says God is love. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I am grateful that day in and day out, 
that, that when I mess up and, and when I sin and when I find myself doing things that are not pleasing to God, that, that I don't have to worry about three months from now God bringing that back up to me and saying, you remember when you did this. The Bible says it this way. It says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. And what that means is, is that once I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, I am no longer walking after the flesh. I may do fleshly things, but I'm not walking after the flesh. I'm walking after the Spirit. And therefore, the, the Bible says, if I, and, and I've got to be careful here because I'm going to get on the next point, but it says, if I walk in the light as He is in the light, I have fellowship one with another. Then the Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So love brings forgiveness, and forgiveness brings light. That's the second one. The second thing I've got to be an imitator of is light. Look at verse 8. I'm going to skip a few verses there. Verse 8 through 11 says, For you were once darkness, that's us, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that one. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So number one is I've got to love if I'm going to be an imitator of Jesus. But secondly, I have got to learn to be a person who walks in the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, I want to tell you, the reason that scripture is in there is because if you back up the, the few verses before that he begins to list all of these things that are darkness all right he talks about immorality and impurity and greed and filthiness of the flesh and coarse jesting and idolatry he, he lists all of these things he just he puts them out there and he says hey guys that's what darkness is but he says, if you are going to be an imitator of Jesus Christ, you've got to be a person of light. You know what? That's why in the kingdom of God, we can't excuse immorality. Now, again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of get in our world today, all right? I mean, immorality, any kind of immorality. It's, it's interesting how the church can stand up and scream about homosexuality, but not talk about adultery. They're both sexual sins. We, we, we find our, our, oh boy, help me, Jesus. You, you know, we, we find a nation that has moved into what I call serial monogamy. We don't like this one. We trade them in, get another one. We upgrade. We, we get better. We, we had 2.0. Now we want to go to 4.0. We, we, you know. And, and it's just, well, it's okay, it's, it's no big deal. No, the Word of God, hang on, the Word of God still says God hates divorce. Now, the Bible doesn't say God hates divorced people. It says God hates divorce. Why? Because God understands that divorce is not light, it's darkness. And I, and I know when you talk about this, people get nervous. But God's called us to walk in light. God's called us to get rid of impurity in our lives. We, we live in a world where impurity is everywhere you turn. I mean, you can't drive down the street. You, you can't, I, I mean, it's, it's all this stuff. The Bible talks about greed. Do you realize that the whole marketing system of America is built on greed? 
It's, you know, do you have an alligator? Do you have a polo? Do you have a, you know, do you have a bigger horse? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I see some guys and I think they rode the horse to church. It, you know, we used to be small and now, the, you know, it's taking up the whole, I, I don't care for you buying the stuff, but understand having a horse on your chest does not mean anything. Just meant you had a little more money or a little less, right? And and we, wow! You know when I get to really preaching good, people get nervous. See, we we've we've got all these things. The, the word of God lays all of this stuff out there, and and we we try to identify ourselves through our stuff. And yet our stuff, the Bible says, is decaying. It's falling apart. I want to tell you, your stuff, drive as nice as you can, live as great as you can, wear whatever you can, but I'm telling you, every bit of it rusts, every bit of it wears out, every bit of it falls apart. The only thing that matters and the only thing that goes long term is what's on the inside of you, and it is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. Everything else falls apart. And, and so he, he deals with these. I mean, it's interesting. He, he deals with filthiness of the flesh. He deals with coarse jesting. He deals with idolatry. Oh, we don't, we don't deal with idolatry in America. <laughs> really? Wow, just because we're not, you know, bowing down to Buddha. It's because, you know, you're not uh, taking some idol that you're, you know, offering incense to. I, I mean, you know, one of the, the most favorite shows on television is American oh you do know really I mean I, idolatry only means anything that I put before God your family can be an idol your education can be an idol your job can be an idol. anything that I put before God is an idol and so the apostle Paul writing there said all of these things and I want to tell you we live in a world where all of these things are so available easier now than at any time in the history of the world to participate in these sins of the flesh and yet God says to Christians he didn't say you're going to be perfect and never struggle what he said was is that you and I need to learn to walk in the light and you know what when we find ourselves in darkness the Bible says if we sin we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who ever liveth to make intercession for us. The Word of God also says, if I will confess my sin, he is just and faithful to forgive me of my sins. Those two terms should not even be in the same sentence. They are, are not, they are antithetical, just and faithful. Justice means I deserve, but faithful means God's going to take care of it. So the scripture says he is just, he is going to judge it, but he's going to take care of it, and he is faithful to forgive me of all of my sins. So when I find myself, here's, here's the problem. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe again, I'm being way too revealing, but, but my problem is I find out that when sin comes in, I, you know, I, I allow the enemy just to work in my life, and then I just start hanging out there. The scripture says, look, when it happens, get out of it. Flee to the light. Get out of darkness and get back in the light. That's what God has called us to do. And so we've got to come to that place where day in and day out we live in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Look in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live. 
I mean, this, I tell you what, this fifth chapter, if we would just make it a life chapter, could, could really bring about some transformation. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. If the days were evil in the Apostle Paul's day, wow. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, we talked a few weeks ago what that word debauchery means. I'm not going to go back into that. But here's, here's the third thing that we've got to be imitators of God about, and that is we've got to have wisdom. We've got to have love. We've got to be light, and we've got to have wisdom day in and day out in our lives. That's what God calls us to. In fact, the book of James says, if any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth generously, and King James says, without upbraiding. In other words, God's not going to get mad at you because you ask him for wisdom. That is one of my consistent prayers. I pray for several, but one of them is, God, give me wisdom. And then Proverbs says, with, with your getting of wisdom, get understanding. And so in our lives, we need wisdom. We need to be wise as serpents, Scripture says, but harmless as doves. We, we need to live that way. We've got to have wisdom to live in this world. This world throws everything at us. It's, it does its best to pull us in and to destroy us. But, but what we have to come to is that we have to come to a place of understanding how to live in wisdom. Let me give you three real quick keys of living in wisdom. Number one is understand our time belongs to God. Your time is God's. It's in His hands. The Scripture says, don't say tomorrow I'm going to go such and such and do such and such. It says, say if God wills why because our time is in his hand now a, a, a lot of people say no I, I i control my life i control no the scripture says that is appointed unto man once to die I, none of us know when that appointment is but it, it, we understand this the time is in god's hand and, and so I need to live my life, understanding that the Word of God also says that we are to live redeeming the time because the days are evil. So, so I need to be doing everything I can to live life with an understanding that time is very important and that it belongs to God. Now, we, we live in a world, used to, uh, I read something years ago, said, used to if a guy in the Old West missed the stagecoach, wasn't any big deal, you know, next month or a couple of months, he'd catch it and he'd be all right. Said, now if you miss one turn in a revolving door, it throws your whole month off right i mean we live in a fast-paced world but we've got to come back let me help some of you because some of you are driven like i am there is there is need in our lives to set aside time god set it up i'm going to get in trouble for this one when i get home god set it up that one day out of the week you're supposed to rest i'm not even going to look in that direction <laughs> preaching to y'all the, the, God has this whole thing about time laid out because he knows that we need to take time for ourselves. And so it, it's very vital, it's very needful in your life that you understand the time is in God's hands. But guess what? Uh, if you burn the candle at both ends, if you, you know, leave us early, the world's still going on. All right, I, I move on. Second, 
Second thing about wisdom in, in determining wisdom is understand not only is my, does my time belong to God, but also understand my will belongs to God. The, the, what I will to do, I, I need to let that belong to God. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I know in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In other words, the carnality of, of us, of humanity, the carnality of us is always bent to evil. But he said, uh, that, but thanks be unto God which giveth me the victory. So there, there's this aspect of saying, you know what? I want my will. Remember Jesus on the cross? What did he say? Not my will, but thy will be done. Now, if Jesus Christ, the, the living Son of God, had to at that moment in his fleshly suffering say, not my will, but your will be done, don't you think you and I have to live daily saying, Lord, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire, but let me live your will because my will belongs to you. So my time belongs to God, my will belongs to God, and lastly, my life belongs to God. Scripture says it this way. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything about this world is God's. And so that means my life is God's. And so whatever he asked me to do, I need to be willing to do that. And, and we've got to live in that manner. We've got to live day in and day out, submitting our desires, submitting our life, and saying, God, you have given me this life, and now today I want to give it back to you. Let me give you the fourth one today as we come to a close. Look in verse 18, 19, and 20. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth thing that I've got to be an imitator of is the Spirit. The, the Spirit part of me needs to be an imitator of God Himself. I need to understand. We talked a few weeks back, and I'm going to reiterate this for a moment. That Scripture lets us know that before we came to Christ, we were dead. All right, our spirit, not our bodies, we, we understand our mind, our will, our emotions, our, our, our body and our soul were alive, but our spirit person was dead. And then we had that moment, we had that encounter with Jesus Christ. We got saved and our spirit person came alive. But guess what? We have to now learn how to live in the spirit. Apostle Paul talks about living in the spirit and not in the flesh. How do I live in the Spirit? Well, I have to retrain every aspect of who I've been. How do I do that? Well, the Word of God gives us some encouragement. That The Bible says it this way. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. So, when the Spirit of God comes into my life, when the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me, Jesus said to his disciples one day, he said, it's not good that I stay with you. He said, I need to go away so that I can send the Spirit who will dwell with you forever. So when the Spirit of God comes into our life, then that Spirit begins to bring some things in our life. The Scripture says one of the things that that Spirit brings is it brings gifts. All right? 
And, and the, the Bible is filled with about 20-something gifts that are given to believers. Uh, there's a gift of wisdom. There's a gift of knowledge. There's a gift of tongues. There's a gift of mercy. There's a gift of administration. There's even a gift of leadership that's talked about in Scripture. All of these are gifts that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. But then the Scripture also talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Wow. Now, here's what I've learned about gifts and fruit. Gifts are given. Fruit is grown. And, and you, you've got you've to know that. And also, let me say this about fruit. How many of you ever seen fruit fall off the tree and get rotten? <laughs> Just because the fruit was good yesterday might not mean it's really good next week, okay? Uh, and, and so, but these things are given to us, so we have to walk in the Spirit. And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, uh, the, the Word of God talks about uh, that, that there's joy in the Spirit. Have you ever been around Christians that when they walked in, the lights went off? I mean, I've gone to church sometimes and looked around and goes, man, they, I want to check that baptistry. What have they got in it? Because everybody's face and they're setting a frown. It's like, you know, they're baptizing in vinegar up there or something. Hallelujah. Really? The Bible says it this way. It says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, so we need to be joyful in the Spirit. We need to be thankful day in and day out and as we walk in the Spirit. And we need to be submissive in the Spirit. That whatever God says, whatever the spirit of truth is leading us into, that I'm willing to do that. 